Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Shortly after midnight in the early hours of June 6, 1944, nearly 20,000 Allied paratroopers dropped behind enemy lines to be the first soldiers on the ground on D-Day. Conditions were terrible. Thick cloud cover and fog made it nearly impossible to spot their landing targets, and the night sky was pierced with Nazi-heavy anti-aircraft rounds and sniper fire. For those paratroopers who made it to the ground, many were separated from their units and unsure of their locations. Alone in enemy-held territory, they had to find their comrades in the fog-blanketed dark without tipping off the enemy. Good thing they had their clickers. Hours earlier, when boarding the transport aircraft back in England, members of the United States 101st Airborne Division were each handed a small metal box that would serve as a low-tech emergency communication device. By pushing down on the lid of the box with the thumb and releasing, it made a sharp clicking sound. Their instructions were simple. If you're on the ground and hear someone approaching, click once. Two clicks in reply means a friend. No click could mean trouble. 24 hours after landing, the paratroopers were told to ditch or hide their clickers. Allied commanders were worried that the devices would fall into Nazi hands and be used to trick Allied soldiers into thinking that an approaching foe was friendly. The D-Day clickers were only in action for 24 hours, but who knows how many lives were saved by the simple ingenuity. Inspired by the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion this year, the British company that made those original D-Day clickers is on a search and rescue mission of its own. 
Of the 7,000 clickers manufactured by Acme Whistles during World War II, less than a dozen have been recovered. Now the company has launched a worldwide campaign to find the lost D-Day clickers and learn the stories behind the brave troops who carried them. We spoke with Ben McFarlane, the head of sales and marketing at Acme Whistles, which still manufactures whistles in the same Birmingham, England factory that took a direct hit from Nazi bombers during the war. He says that the few confirmed clickers in circulation are all held by museums and private collectors. Acme Whistles itself doesn't possess even one of the original clickers, although it sells an exact replica made with the original machine presses. Just because there have been so few recovered D-Day clickers, it doesn't mean that there are not more out there. McFarlane said, it just means that people don't know that they've got them. Acme Whistles has been in business since 1870 and is responsible for a number of important whistle firsts. Its founder, Joseph Hudson, invented the first police whistle used by the London Metropolitan Police. Prior to that, the Bobby on the Beat used a wooden rattle. Hudson also invented the very first sports whistle, the original Acme Thunderer. Before that, football referees, that's soccer to Americans in the UK, waved a white handkerchief to get the players' attention. Not quite as effective. But back to the clickers— Since the clickers were exclusively supplied to the U.S. 101st Airborne, McFarlane expects that many reside in America, either handed down as heirlooms from generation to generation or in the hands of antiques collectors who may not know the heroic provenance of these humble-looking boxes. The D-Day clicker, also known as the Acme Cricket, was originally used by marching band leaders to click out the tempo of a piece of music. They're made of brass and are half-open rectangular boxes about the size of the top joint of a thumb. By half-open, I mean that one short end and parts of two walls are missing from the design. The remaining short end is labeled with the Acme Made in England. If you think you're in possession of an original D-Day clicker, McFarlane wants you to email him personally at ben.mcfarlane at acmewhistles.co.uk. He's already heard from at least one American woman who appears to have the real deal. Acme Whistles plans to invite all clicker owners to England to take a tour of the factory, receive an engraved commemorative whistle, and share the story of the brave paratrooper who carried the clicker into combat on D-Day. Today's episode was written by Dave Ruse and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other topics designed to make a very specific ruckus, visit our home planet, howstuffworks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.